Hello and welcome to another episode of What Is My Podcast About? A podcast where, on a basis of once every two weeks, we get together and talk about various topics to see if that is what we want to base our podcast on. I'm hosting this week's episode, me, myself, Matthew, and as always, when I'm around anyway, I am joined by Keith hey. and Peter. Hello! So, I'm- how's it going? really good when you were doing your outro intro and you said i'm me myself i was really hoping you just weren't going to give yourself a name and the audience was just gonna have to know from the context of previous <laughs> episodes who you were i thought it was gonna be more of like uh my name is matt and i am joined by co-host matt hello and co-host matt hello <laughs> that is fair i could also see it going that way um but no things are good that's uh, good the, the things are happening in the world that's always fun what the th- those things are, I couldn't tell you, but they're happening. I think the big thing that I can think of recently was uh, Nintendo did another direct where they announced quite a few things, actually. Oh yeah. Oh, the, the one Kirby where they car. Uh, the Kirby car, and also the one where they teased a uh, new Mario Kart, only to reveal that it's actually DLC for eight and not an actual new Mario Kart. Well, I think you're underselling that whole situation because first they announced Disney Speedstorm, which is like, oh, a Disney Kart racer. And then immediately after, they dashed their hope by saying, guess what? DLC for Mario Kart. Well, the best part is the D- uh, Disney Speedstorm, from what I understand, is a free to play uh, kart racer where all the different characters have special abilities rather than item pickups giving you those special abilities. So it's a. Uh, very interesting situation they've created there. I mean, I just don't think they can compete with Mario Kart. I think the name brand alone, regardless of it just being DLC tracks. Yeah. That is fair, but I do think a lot of Mario Kart fans are a little bit frustrated about the fact that they saw Mario Kart during a Nintendo Direct, got all excited for the announcement of 9 or whatever, only for it to be new maps for 8. Yep. Uh, another thing of note was uh, we're getting a new Fire Emblem Warriors game, which is called Three Hopes. Yeah, so they're taking the uh, Hyrule Warriors effect and applying it to Fire Emblem Three Houses, so we get a a Warriors game. Uh, So I was reading through an article to describe this one. I was with Keith when I was doing it and talking about the article. And one of the things I find quite amusing is they call out the characters that are confirmed to be in this game. And so they mention female Byleth is confirmed. Male Byleth, they don't know for sure, but definitely going to have female Byleth. So it might be you don't get to choose your gender in this one. The three leaders, Claude, Dimitri, and Edelgard are all in there. They also confirmed Sothis, which kind of makes sense. Their spirit is inside of you or whatever. Yep. But then the last character that they confirmed as being in the game was specifically Hubert. Not any of the other members <laughs> of any of the other hosts. Just we know the three leaders are going to be there, and we know Hubert's going to be there, motherfuckers. Again, I, so, I, I was positive I saw Anna in the trailer. Are you sure it wasn't Hubert in disguise? Because that might be what you saw. That does sound like Hubert. Yeah. It might have been Badoo. Uh, but yeah, they, they yeah. Uh, confirmed that this is going to have a new storyline that's not in the original game. So we're probably getting altered stuff. And there's some new interesting, like, uh, uh, what I like to call the dubstep demon group uh, characters on their side. Uh, okay. the, those who slither in the dark, I believe their canonical name is. Something but like that. not as good Something as the like dubstep demons. Um, also, from what I understand, this one also has like a tactical world map, so it's going to be a little bit closer to the Dynasty Warriors Empires games rather than just a 
Hyrule Warriors type thing. Yeah, that's what it looks like, but again, it's got a little bit more on the map than just the strongholds and the territories, so we'll have to wait and see what actually happens. Yeah, it's very early in this game. We don't have a lot of actual detail, so we're just making speculation based on what we've seen and the fact that Hubert's absolutely in the game. I wonder how much it'll have uh, with or in terms of improvement over the previous Fire Emblem Warriors game. I think we shouldn't be looking at the previous Fire uh, Emblem Warriors and look more at the last uh, Hyrule Warriors to see what they're planning. Mm. Yeah, because that one's a lot, probably a lot closer to what the uh, Nintendo Warriors game is going to be than uh, Hyrule Warriors, or than the original Fire Emblem Warriors. Yeah, because the last that's one because... got a lot of praise for what they did with it, so I think that's the benchmark for Warriors games now with Nintendo IP. Yeah, that's probably specifically why they're making uh, Three Hopes, is because of how well... Like, I'm sure it might have been in the works anyways, but because of how well uh, Hyrule Warriors did, I would be very surprised to hear that that didn't have an impact on them making Three Houses. Also, could I take a second just to address the fact that it's called Three Hopes, and what kind of name is that? Because we have hope in each of the three leaders, so there are three sources of hope in these dark and dreary times. I mean, Edelgard's still just the bad guy. I disagree. I think Edelgard... No, I'm not getting into this argument right now. <laughs> I think the uh, dubstep basement warriors are the bad guys, not... They're Edelgard definitely the bad guys, and I stand by my statement that Edelgard wasn't a bad person, just uh, had bad methods. Yeah, she was very much so an ends-justify-the-means type character. Yeah. I think it would be interesting, uh, so uh, it's unclear whether it's going to be you working with all three of the leaders to defeat, I don't know, either the dragon gods that pers- uh, rule over Fodlin or to defeat those who slither in the dark. I think it's equally possible that it's a retelling of the same story in that you choose one of the three hosts to go with and you're more directly in control of the armies during wartime. Um I could see so that I can see but it I can, going either way. I can also see it though going where you just choose a whole new path and I guess convince everyone over the course of the campaign to join you in your path. Do you want the yeah, I, where everyone lives? Buy this new game. I've, actually, that's yeah, not it, out of the realm of Fire Emblem. They've done this before. I'm not surprised. <laughs> Do you want to see the timeline where all the characters you've gained an emotional attachment to, you don't have to murder them in the second half of the game? Yes. You're going to have to pay a whole other $60. Like, what? as I was saying, it's like, oh, wait, no, this has happened before. Yeah. Also, no one mentioned the Basement Wolves again. Yeah, because the... I don't care if they're part of DLC, they're non-canonical in my mind. They do not exist, if you ask me. There are three hoses, plus the dubstep basement people. I don't know why I keep calling them basement people, but they do live in a basement that's full of dubstep. Uh, And then there's the dragon gods that rule over Fodlin. I do not consider the ashen wolves to be relevant to the story in the slightest they might be a part of the world but i have a feeling during the actual war they will continue hiding in their basement and not participate in any of the fighting i mean they did do it three out of four times yep well maybe it'll be one of those secret merchants they have to find on each map (laughs) oh that's stana bring Uh, her back again 
Now, there was one other thing, too, uh, that I took interest in from uh, the Direct, and that's we got two announcements for remasters slash remakes. Uh, so Chrono Cross is being remastered and being released. And uh, you guys, I don't know if you uh, are aware of this game franchise, but Front Mission, which is kind of like a Mech Warrior tactics game, is getting remade in the first and second game. Yep. I'm sure that's a game. Yeah, and I'm sure people have enjoyed the originals. I'm not sure about that. I mean, the I, I'm it. sure I'm sure person enjoyed it in that I'm sure Keith enjoyed the games. Oh, I'm I not did. confident saying anyone other than Keith also enjoyed those games. I mean, there was like four or five front missions, so. Fair. Maybe the developer also enjoyed the game. I'm not saying no one else enjoyed it. I'm just saying I'm not confident saying other people enjoyed it. Um, considering the fact that I am pretty sure I never heard of this game before Keith mentioned it. Uh, other non-Nintendo things that have happened, we saw the official trailer for Multiverse of Madness drop yeah. uh, during the Super Bowl that recently happened. The, the, the speculation grind of Marvel has started again. Yep. It's a lot of... We see a movie trailer, we see characters in there that could be from a Marvel property, but we're not sure exactly which one, so it's a lot of people theorizing about exactly what Marvel property they're from. And exactly what character they are and what plot they have on the movie. I will say my favorite theory about this movie so far has to be that Deadpool's going to be in it, because at the events of the end of the second Deadpool movie, with time travel, he literally became a time menace, so the (laughs) guys in this movie arrested him and he's just going to be in a jail cell. Yeah, and if that happens, they're over the course of the movie, going to end up releasing him from the jail cell uh, and being like, we have to work together. And then Deadpool is going to look directly towards camera and say, I can't swear during this movie. I'm leaving and just walk out. I can see that. Also, Literally, like, open up a door that's a part of the soundstage and not a part of the actual scene. Also, in, uh, of course, Deadpool fashion, we now have some weird indirect way that Green Lantern is part of the MCU canon. Oh, God, you're right. What? The DC property is now technically canon. Well, if Deadpool is uh, canon to the MCU, then uh, Green Lantern is technically also canon because a significant, well, not a significant, but a part of that post-credit scene where he's jumping around through time changing things involves him shooting Ryan Reynolds before he accepts the role of Green Lantern uh, (laughs) to save Canada from that embarrassment, if I remember the scene correctly. Yep. Uh, but yeah, we got that trailer. We got the trailer for Jurassic World uh, Dominion, which yep. uh, I have mixed feelings about because uh, I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And then the original cast was in the trailer and I got yep. excited and I'm like, oh, I don't like that. That's what excited me. Yeah, the movie was like, oh, this is interesting. It's a world where like dinosaurs are just a regular part of everyday life now, I guess. And also Alan Grant is back along with the other characters from the original movie. Yeah, it was like, I was like, well, whatever, it's a new Jurassic Park, which is a shame because I do enjoy Jurassic Park movies, but I've just kind of fallen off them. But having the original cast show back up, I was like way more excited than I probably should have been, which isn't a good sign. Yeah, they're probably uh, banking on that after like the last Jurassic World movie. So, question now that I think about it. Uh, so Jeff Goldblum appeared in Jurassic world whatever the sequel one was called yeah uh fallen kingdom was he appearing 
as Ian Malcolm, or was it just a nice nod by having Jeff Goldblum in the movie? I'm pretty yeah. sure he was appearing as Ian Malcolm. Yeah, it was Ian okay. Malcolm at the end. It, it, like, he wasn't part of the movie. He was literally just, there was a Senate hearing at the end about what to do with the dinosaurs, and he pretty much just gave his Life Finds Away speech. Okay. Uh, it's just one of those things where, in my mind, he wasn't actually Ian Malcolm, and it's been a while since I watched the movie, and I watched it only once because... I mean, that's just how I lived my life. Um, so, in my mind, he wasn't Ian Malcolm, and it was just they were bringing Jeff Goldblum back and not necessarily Ian Malcolm. And I felt weird about them now bringing other characters back, but as the actual character and not just the actor. So, good to know that I was mistaken about that. Uh, and then uh, there was one other movie, uh, not a trailer, but that I finally got to see, uh, and that was Scream 5, which is a really good movie. Who's the killer? Uh, I could you can just say Ghostface. You can just say Ghostface. That's no, but that's too easy. I'm fair. Gonna, uh, I'm going to say Williamson, the guy who wrote the script. Oh, are you saying the movie was terrible and he killed the series for you? No, no, he he actually killed it. Yeah, he, he made the choice to kill all those characters, and as Matt said, he killed it in a good way. I assume. Yes. Uh, the movie has been very split. Uh which most things are nowadays for reasons, but uh, th- this one I can see why it's split because when the thing happened, I was like, oh, I can see why people hate this movie. And at the same time, I was like, I'm not upset about this because the movie actively calls out toxic fandom. So those fans are like, you know, telling uh, actors to go kill themselves because they were in a movie that the person didn't like. It calls out those people specifically. I mean, good on the movie for calling out those people, and bad on those people for feeling they were right to call out the movie for doing that. Yeah, those are the people that are upset with the movie for the most part. Of course. To be fair, that's just every movie that comes out this de- these days. Because of the internet and how it works, the small minority of people who dislike the movie are going to find each other and make sure their voices are the most loudly heard ones with regards to any conversation about the movie. It's just the times we live in. Uh, and then uh, I have two more pieces of news. Uh, so the first one, we finally got a release date for Among Us, or Wolf Among Us 2. Yep. Yes. Uh, the trailer has him beating the shit out of the Tin Man and the Scarecrow from uh, Wizard of Oz. Oh. <laughs> well, the Scarecrow was getting high and then set on fire. It's a beautiful franchise, and I highly recommend uh, reading Fabled if you haven't already. Hmm. I'll keep that on the shelf. <laughs> and then uh, the other one, which uh, was a bit of a surprise to me, uh, PlayStation announced uh, a new game that's called Monster Crown. Oh, right. It's Tony's answer to Pokemon. You, you a monster tamer, uh, needs to collect monsters and make them stronger and fight other monster tamers and become some sort of Dark Lord, I think. I'm not entirely sure. Hmm. Yep. So it's like the old Monster Rancher, except... It's evil it's guy? Sony's answer to Pokemon. It is 100% okay. just Sony's answer to Pokemon. Okay. That was their answer to Yokai Watch. Nintendo's answer to Pokemon. <sighs> Alright, that... Oh, yeah, is there anything else we want to talk about with the world? Since we've just mentioned Sony, though, I want to quickly bring up something that was brought to my attention. Or, uh, possible theory's sake. I know neither of you 
have you ever really played Destiny or Destiny Two for that matter? I played a fair bit. I don't play anymore, but yeah. I played a fair bit back in the day. Yeah, yeah I don't. I don't really play anymore too, either. Same deal. But anyway, you've probably heard that Sony recently acquired uh, Bungie. Yes, I like how literally. Uh... Microsoft keeps reacquiring Bungie, and Bungie's like, no, and leaves. Yep. It's pretty great. But, uh, it was brought to my attention that in the agreement where uh, Sony bought Bungie, uh, Sony's like, yeah, you can just keep doing what you're doing. And uh, at first, that's like, it seems a little questionable. Like, why would they even buy a company if they don't have any interest in uh, having any say in what they're doing? But then you got to remember, they now own the IP to uh, Destiny. So that opens the floor for uh, making movies with the IP. And lots of people would love to see those movies. Yeah, that is something a lot of people forget that Microsoft is a computer company and Sony is a movie company. Yeah. So I'm actually incredibly intrigued and really hope to see a Destiny movie sometime in the future. Or maybe they bought Bungie so they could put John Destiny into the new uh, PlayStation All-Stars <laughs> game they're making. No, it's so that they can put him into Fortnite. Oh, well, oh, God, they're not, not the one putting him into Fortnite. They just get the money from licensing him to Fortnite. That's true, because Uncharted's now in Fortnite. Oh, yeah. Good old John Uncharted. Well, that's all I wanted to say about Sony. That's your... Welcome to share your thoughts on Sony with us anytime, Matt. <laughs> yes. uh, what uh, to topic today? Is that what we should get to? I, I feel like I'm yeah, having a stroke. Um, yeah. Cool. So, uh, I'm pretty sure we're still in February. And if I recall uh, 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 correctly... Uh, January. January, yes. This it's okay, Matt. Last year. We're in January. So that means fan submissions or submitted topics. And the topic that we have chosen this time is underrated manga. And who submitted this suggestion? Uh, I'm not sure who did. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure if he counts as a fan anymore now that he hosted our podcast for a couple episodes with us. Uh, I'm not aware of this. Thomas, I've never, I would never let anyone on this podcast named Thomas. What are you talking about? I'm pretty sure you did, but whatever. We'll move on. Uh, um, I believe I was guaranteed one. I get to make a statement that's forever canon to the podcast, and I'm choosing that I've never let a Thomas on this podcast. That's okay. fair. All right. I, I'm okay with that being the one thing you declare to be true. And I mean, I haven't been around to see a Thomas on a podcast. There we go. I have hallucinated things in the past. Who's to say what I imagine in my head right now was also a hallucination? So, well, that that's our topic for today. Is, uh, underrated manga. Or any manga, really, you want to bring up. Like, for me... Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if any of my manga counts as underrated. It's just manga I'm a fan of, but don't really have anyone else I know who reads yeah. it, so I can't talk about it. Oh, no, it's like, I, I feel have... like I'm in a weird spot, because I think most of my manga was underrated. That's right, I'm yeah. that person. I've got three titles off the top of my head that I really, that I want to bring up. One I recently read. Another one I would definitely not call underrated. 
because it was really short and canceled. I mean, I would say that's underrated. Uh, it might have been accurately rated, potentially. Yeah, accurately rated is more. Uh, not well, to spoil accurate. you guys, but I got at least two things that just never got finished that I have on my underrated list. Awesome. Uh, so each of the ones I'm going to talk about is currently ongoing, so no and, cancellations yet. And the third one that I brought is, I wouldn't really say it's underrated because I imagine it was popular back in the day, but it's an old one. It finished being published in, back in 1996. So people nowadays might not have uh, been exposed to it. That's perfectly fair. I'm curious if we're going to have any overlaps on this. Maybe. Based on the way Matt has described his and you described yours, I don't think I have any overlaps, but I wouldn't... I don't know. Anything's possible, I guess. All right, uh, so who wants to start? I'm looking forward because I know it's going to happen with one of us. One of us is going to put out a title, and the other two are going to immediately jump on that person for accusing it for being underrated. <laughs> I would like to double down on... Well, first of all, I don't know that that's going to happen with any of mine, but I would like to double down on the stance of mine aren't underrated necessarily. They're just ones that no one else I know is reading them. That's my decision for whether or not I'm going to talk about it today. <laughs> Peter's number one, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Oh, no, no. Were we supposed to talk about overrated ones? Because I should add JoJo to my list if we are. <laughs> that was uh, the sound about half of the viewers just tuning out right there that were interested in this topic. Good. If half of our viewers are JoJo fans, we have too many JoJo fans as our viewers. I don't care if we have two viewers and one of them is a JoJo fan. We still have too many JoJo fan viewers. <laughs> uh, so, Matt, you said you had three, right? Yeah. Uh I'm going to say I have a soft four and that I have two that I could talk at length about and two that I could talk about, but not necessarily at length. Okay, I, I, I do have five. So you should go first, then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the first one we're going to talk about is a series called Chronicles of the Cursed Sword. Ooh. Now, I believe Matt has read this one because I forced him to back in school. Now does Matt remember really it? familiar. Uh, oh. So you fo we follow three characters, one of which is Rayanne, who ends up getting a demon sword, his uh, sister, and a noble prince. And they end up traveling around trying to stop this corrupted king. Uh, and then what ends up happening is the three split ways. We find out that there's massive war between demons and the heavenly realm. And that the sister is actually the reincarnated sage for the heavenly realm. The... The nobleman ends up taking over the corrupt leader and gets corrupted by the demons who are controlling him. And then the main character will follow Rayanne is just kind of in the middle. Neat. So it it does a lot of like Chinese mythology stuff in it and concepts, but it's a really good series that uh, just a lot of people did not read. So I believe it is currently still ongoing because it ends up taking breaks just because I don't think a lot of people are funding it. Okay, I'm looking at it on uh, a website, and the cover art is definitely familiar, so I've at least read the first volume. Uh, I actually have all the uh, released volumes that are in English uh, currently in my room with me, uh, so I've definitely forced Matt to borrow them. Yes. Um, and the website I'm looking at, though, says there's 37 volumes, but it also says it finished in 2009. Yeah, but it's not getting released here, is the problem. Okay. 
Yeah, I'll read the synopsis here for you. In an era of warring states, warlords become kings, dynasties crumble, and heroes can rise from the most unlikely places. Rayan and his sister Shaolin uh, are orphans raised by wise masters in the ways of magic and combat. And this sounds exactly like the story I'd want to read, and I know I've read it, but I can't remember anything about it. Yeah, it, it's a really good series, and it's one of those series that like takes on like certain topics as well, and I think it does it really well like ahead of its time. For example, uh, one that sticks out to me that happened in the series is one of the sages is like this beautiful woman, and obviously it gets revealed because you have the beautiful woman that one of the manly man characters uh, is crushing on gets revealed to be in a male's body because sages get reincarnated through this franchise. So when they die, they come back in another form, which might not be their first. Then they remember their past lives, and their original life is what their personality is. And oh, the, the muscly guy, which you normally be like, ah, oh, God, I hate this bullet and all this stuff. But instead he's like, you know what? I'm down. <laughs> That's perfect. Because, like, he may be muscly now, but as you said, like, wait, he's a sage, right? The sage is the one that's uh, reincarnated as originally female, but they come back in a male body. And it's uh, Xiao Chun, which is one of the other okay. guys that ends up joining, uh, like has like a romantic relationship with that character, which also doesn't do the tropes of like one of them dies and all that stuff. Like it, they have a happy ending. Okay, that's that's nice. That is, in fact, nice. But yeah, that is Chronicles of the Cursed Sword, a really cool series. It's got like bleach level of like crazy combat nice uh i i could consider that one i'd be willing to read in the future but if someone tries to force me it's never gonna happen i've just put it onto my list i'm <laughs> definitely gonna read it mainly because i know i've started reading it and just that is uh making me really annoyed right now yep I can guarantee you read the three, the first three volumes of it, which I had at the time. Uh, God damn it. Maybe we shouldn't have done this topic. <laughs> I don't know that you can guarantee he's read it. You can guarantee he's bored it and then said he read it, but we don't know oh, what Matt I, does I can guarantee free time. I've at least read the first I have volume. my methods. <laughs> well, I'm going to jump in with one of mine now. Uh, All right. Unless there's anything else we want to talk about for the Cursed Sword. Nope, that was it. Cool. Uh, so I want to talk about a, uh, I believe it's a Korean manhwa, not uh, technically a manga. Um, uh, Chronicles of the Cursed Sword was actually a manhwa, by the way. Okay. Uh, as long as we're willing to blur that line for today, because if I had to talk specifically about manga, I would eliminate three of my four topics. Um, but the one I want to, the first one I want to talk about is called Tales of Demons and Gods, um, which is one I saw a lot of ads on in like YouTube pre-rolls because YouTube figured out I was a weeb and was like, here, check out this manga. Except it was a manhwa. Uh, anyways, um, it is uh, a story about a uh, man who lives in a kind of fantasy world. Uh, I don't know why I said kind of. It's a straight up fantasy world. Uh, and much like uh, Keith described, this one's also very heavily reliant on uh, East Asian mythology. I believe it's Chinese mythology. i do not not confident enough to say that with certainty, but I believe it's based largely in Chinese mythology. And uh, anyways, there's this concept of demon hunters who are people with magic powers and they fight monsters. And uh, then while fighting those monsters, they can absorb their soul and use their soul to fight uh, either other monsters or each other or whatever. Uh, 
but the story follows this one character called Nia Lee, uh, who in a, his previous life uh, lived in a big city, uh, saw it get ravaged by demons while he was one of the weakest demon uh, spiritualist or demon fighter, whatever you want to call it, uh, in the city. And so he saw it get ravaged and he ran away and lived for roughly 100 years after that, slowly gaining power, becoming more powerful, learning about the world, only to die to the same demon army that destroyed the city. Um, and then as soon as he dies, he gets reincarnated as the child in the city, still one of the weakest demon spiritualists. Uh, but now he has to kind of learn how to gain strength using what he learned over those previous hundred years uh, to grow strong in his early life so he can save the city from being destroyed in the first place and protect all his friends who he feels sad about the fact that he watched them all die. Um, and so one thing I will say ahead of anything else about this is I can recognize that this is not a perfect manhwa. I'm not trying to say that it's fantastic or anything. The main character, Neely, is 100% a Gary Sue type character in that <laughs> every time he comes across a problem, he has a memory from his previous 100 years of life that's the exact solution to how to solve this problem. And he's constantly going stronger, and every time someone steps up against them, he has the perfect solution to solve the problem. But honestly, that's one of the things I fucking love about this series, because of the fact that like, if I'm having a stressful day and I read a couple chapters of this, it's like, wow! Every problem is just super easy to deal with, and I don't have to deal with like the manufactured tension of a lot of other like uh, manhwas that cover similar topics or anything like where, oh no, the main guy got betrayed and he got stabbed in the back and all his family was kidnapped by the big evil guy. How's he going to get out of this? And now I have to read 30 chapters about his life just being the worst while he tries to figure out how to resolve the problem. That's just not a thing in this manga. It's 100% just, oh no, the main bad guy stabbed him in the back, but oh no, he had a back made of iron, so the problem didn't actually be a problem. Then he turned around and punched the bad guy before he could actually manage to kidnap his family. And it's just like, it constantly presents problems and then resolves them before they manage to actually establish themselves as full problems. So, I don't know, man. It's I recognize it's probably a little trash, but it's also exactly the trash I need sometimes, and that it just makes me feel at peace in my own heart. Yeah, it certainly sounds interesting, and looking at it here, it has a couple tags that I certainly am interested in, martial arts being one of them. Yep. Second chance, weak to strong, time travel. Uh, yeah, the time travel is based purely on that he went back in time uh, yeah. and reincarnated. That's the only aspect of time travel in the story. And then obviously the action and comedy aspects. Yeah, uh, he also has the unfortunate fact, like, it doesn't have any inappropriate content, but literally every female who he interacts with for 30 seconds, because he they present him with a problem of like, I can't do it, I can't help you with whatever your current problem is, because this is going on in my life. And then he's like, oh, that's what's going on in your life. Well, as I am a Gary Sue, I have the exact solution here in my pocket, and he just like hands it over. So literally every female who interacts with him for more than a single conversation just ends up falling in love with him. And it's him just being completely oblivious to what's happening, because in a previous life, he was below all of them, so he didn't really care too much about any of that. It's, uh, it's quite amusing to me. <laughs> yeah, for the sound of what I got vibes from, I can't remember the name of it, but it's the, was it the one of those, like, isekai light novel ones it's like the guy who was always prepared because he's prepared or like one of those ones oh yeah yeah it uh it kind of has like without actually being an isekai it kind of has isekai vibes and that 
his greatest power is the power of friendship, where everyone who interacts with him for a long time just decides they would give their life for him. And also, he can figure out the solution to every problem. So, without being an isekai, it has a lot of isekai tropes going for it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, on a side note, that is also the failing of a lot of isekai. Is the fact that a lot of the stories being released as isekais right now can do just fine without being an isekai. Yeah. They're just yeah. shoehorning it, shoehorning it into the genre because it's a popular genre at the moment. The one thing I will say uh, that uh, the most recent isekai I actually watched that I thought, man, I'm glad this is an isekai, is uh, sp- my life as a spider. I forget exactly what it's called, but it's uh, reincarnated as a spider, something like that. Uh, but the reason I'm so glad that one's an isekai is it occasionally does flashbacks to what they were like before they isekai'd. Uh, because it's an entire classroom that got isekai'd and not just a single student. And the series literally opens with a classroom full of students getting a fucking orbital bombardment on it and isekai the entire class at once. And that one scene makes me glad it's an isekai because it's like, why the fuck did that entire classroom get fucking orbitally bombarded? Um, but yes, mm-hmm. isekais do have a lot of that issue going for it. Going for it was a weird choice of word. Going against them. So I'm thinking I should go again before Matt does so I can narrow it down a little bit more. Yeah. Sure. Okay, so for uh, my next one, uh, you might have heard of a series called Dean Angel. I have heard of it. It's another one that you brought to my attention. And yes, I owed all of these ones I'm mentioning today. And the reason I want to bring up uh, Dean Angel is one that is clearly uh, an underrated series. The last time we had a release from this comic in English was in 2009. <laughs> Uh, that was for volume 13, and the series finally just finished last year in June. Huh. And uh, there was gaps constantly throughout the series where like, we'd have to wait like three or four years between when it started, uh, which, let me get the exact date here. The original release of the series was in 1997. Oh my god, and it just finished up in 2020. Yeah, because the writer kept going on break and literally... <laughs> Uh, there is 20 volumes, and it took from 20 <laughs> from 1997 to 21 to get fully released, and it's That's... not even fully released in English. And like because it's an un- I think it's an underrated series. There's barely anyone like translating it either. That's kind of funny. Mm. So the premise of D and Angel is uh, we follow a character named Daisuke, uh, and he finds out that his family is like master thieves. Uh, and the reason that is, is the firstborn male of every generation, when they become a teenager, every time uh, their heart rate increases, they become Dark, which is the master thief who's got like angel wings. Uh, okay. And they actually steal evil artifacts to purify them to stop them from doing things. And then there's a rival character introduced named Satoshi, who turns into something like Dark, but it's like white angel wings. and you know that dynamic, but oh, there's yeah. this underlying story where, uh, in order to break the dark curse, they have to find true love. Uh, so there's this whole story with like a love triangle between like three characters through the whole story, and one of them's in love with his alter ego. You know, classic stuff. Of course. Of course. But like the the dynamic. Of like him being a master thief and have to get through these traps to get these dangerous items to like purify them is a really cool concept, especially with 
I think transformation stories like Rama one half and a lot. I feel they don't always do the best for justifying the transformation. Uh, and this one does it in like mm-hmm. an interesting way where he has to increase his heart rate. So obviously whenever he's like close to the girl he likes, he always like has to run off and change into dark, obviously. But seeing the yeah. ways he has to get around that in like life threatening situations is always good. And that's another uh, tag that's not really seen all that often is split personality. Yeah. And like even more rare is seeing it done well. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like the whole premise of the story is like, it's pretty much a coming of age story in a sense. And it's him being able to like stand on his own and not rely on dark is kind of as the story progresses. Like there's even parts later on in the story without getting into spoiler where he actually becomes a pretty good thief himself for like cat burgling and all that stuff where he doesn't even have to turn into dark for a lot of stuff. Okay. Nice. We'll be popping that onto my list as well. <laughs> yeah, this episode is just an excuse for me to increase my reading list. Well, speaking of your reading list, I think it's time you give us one of yours. All right. So, this one... The Angel! <laughs> no. The Cursed um... Sword! The Chronicles of the Cursed Sword, sorry. Oh, I, so, should, I should also point out, actually, before we go into Matt's, uh, Dean yep. Angel, for complete discretion, did get an anime release where it had to make up its own ending uh, because uh, they weren't able to, so it's a 26-episode run. Okay. So, the one I'm going to start with is one that I found in a library way back in our junior high days. And ever since, I've been searching for it and haven't been able to find it anywhere. And because it's been so long, I only recently rediscovered the name of the series. And that series is Gatekeepers. Oh, I was Gatekeepers. really hoping Matt was going to talk about a series he doesn't know the title of and only vaguely remembers from his childhood. In the hopes that one of us would remember it. Yeah. Uh, it was close to that because I only found the title of this uh, about two months ago. I-, I actually remember Gatekeepers. Yeah. Now, the reason why it was so hard to find, which I recently discovered, is that it was cancelled. It only ever got two volumes. Yep. And I had fond memories of it because, well, I was a young child at the time, but when I went to reread it, I found that it had a lot of ambition in what it wanted to do. It had a really strong setting going forward at the very beginning of it. But it tried to shoehorn way too much in, and it brought everything into the story way too quickly. Like, there were only two volumes, 14 chapters in total. And so the whole concept is, in the year 1969, alien invaders are trying to take over the world. And their only hope of stopping them are these uh, teenagers who are able to harness this power called Gates which essentially is them opening gateways to other dimensions to harness various powers. Like, the main character, his gate is the wind. Another character, they're able to create barriers, another one has healing, so on and so forth. And, yeah, right off the bat, that sounds really interesting, and it does a good job of grabbing your attention right off the bat. But it just starts throwing in just more and more, like, pretty much every page. Like, oh, here's a new character joining the group. Here's a new character joining the group. 
all of a sudden the main character is uh, just brought into their secret organization, Aegis, for defeating the uh, alien invaders. And now, instead of just aliens, there's also demons in the mix from hell. Oh, and now, along with the gates, the main character can also summon a mech. Oh, and also, one of the main villains can also summon a mech now, along with his Gate of Shadows. It kind of sounds like they wanted to do three different stories and couldn't choose which one, so they just decided to make all of them as one. Yeah, it's like showing yeah. martial arts mech series. Yeah, because um, in the second volume, which I never got a chance to read because I could never find it again, um, it introduced one of the newer characters who had a gate device, and her story actually seemed a little interesting because apparently she had no memories of her past and somehow managed killing both her parents and her sister. But obviously she has no memory of that and she was being attacked by the ghost of her sister. Um, I have no idea what happens to that story because that story doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, well, actually, I'm going to tell I... you right now, Sorry, go ahead, Keith. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure it got a anime series that went for a 24-26 run. Yes, I think 26-episode anime. I have not watched it yet, but I do plan on it. Also, Just worst in case, case scenario, it does continue onwards past where the anime left off, or the manga left off. Uh, if it does remain cancelled, Matt, just remember you can always just write your own fanfiction ending, and it's equally as valid as any other potential ending until they come up with an official one. So. True. Although, I, I do have to mention, the very first villain that pops up is uh, the main character is on his way to school for his first day, and all of a sudden this black top hat comes flying down from the sky, lands in an abandoned lot, and from underneath the top hat comes out just this man in a dark suit, glasses, and a briefcase. And the briefcase opens up into a machine gun and starts shooting at him. Classic. See, everything you're saying, I am having two simultaneous reactions to, which is the first one being, man, that's fucking ridiculous. And the second one being, man, that's fucking awesome. And I can't I decide which one of those reactions is more valid. <laughs> I get heavy vibes whenever I... Or when I was reading it, I got heavy vibes that it might have been the... Uh, the writer's first manga with how they had so many ambitious ideas but just couldn't narrow down on a single plot line. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like it had a lot of potential but just never went anywhere. But yeah, certainly an enjoyable read for a little bit. <laughs> anyway, well a little bit at a time. Alright, uh, I guess I'll do the next one. Yeah. Uh, so this one you guys might have heard of uh, because I lied when I said I don't know anyone who's reading any of these um, because this one came as a direct recommendation from a mutual friend of ours um, <laughs> who's extremely handsome and just the kind of guy I'd like to spend every day with if I could. Uh, and I think he even listens to this podcast. Sorry? Is the suggestion Bleach? No, the suggestion is not Bleach. I would uh, not say Bleach is underrated. But the person who suggested this would probably also suggest I read Bleach, but that's not going to happen. But hopefully he listens to this podcast and figures out I'm talking about him, even though I refuse to say his fucking name. Uh, let's just say some people might call him Peter, and uh, they would only be half wrong. <laughs> uh, so the one I want to talk about is called The Strongest Florist. Uh, this is a recommendation uh, 
for me that I read. I'm going to read the synopsis first, and then I'll get into it. So, uh, uh, the synopsis is, even though he's built like a fighter with a fearsome scowl, Jaiho would like nothing more than to become a florist instead. Unfortunately, Jaiho's overbearing father disapproves, pushing his son to become an MMA fighter instead. So Jaiho enters the virtual reality game New World to escape his father's ambitions. But will he be able to realize his dreams? Um, so it's a story about a guy who plays a virtual reality video game where he is very strong. And because your avatar has to look like you in the real life, uh, he uh, has a very upsetting face to anyone who looks at him. and he takes advantage of that? No, he doesn't take advantage of that. He's a very forthright and honest person who just wants to grow flowers and open a flower shop. But uh, due to the nature of how all of these stories always work out, every single step he takes towards opening up a flower shop just involves him becoming the most powerful being on Earth because of a quirk of the system that he's inside of. Uh, So it's quite amusing to me, and it's a very fun, lighthearted story that also covers some slightly serious topics. Not really. I don't know. But yeah, um, so the uh, to give you a bit of an example, there is a scene fairly early on, uh, actually before he even gets into the game, uh, where he's talking about uh, how everyone reacts to his face. And uh, his father owns a gym where he works. And at this gym... Uh, a couple thugs roll up and hoping to like start extorting them because they opened up a gym on the thugs' territory. And they start interacting with Jaiho, and they're like, hey, you the manager of this place, you need to start paying dues. And then he turns around to look at them, he's like, sorry, what were you saying? Because he had he- headphones in. And they're both like, we said we want to pay dues, we want to start a subscription at your gym? Because they look at him and immediately assume he's about to murder the shit out of them for the <laughs> things they've been saying. And that's like half the interactions he has is with random people assuming he's plotting something evil when in his mind it's just like man how can i make this flower arrangement just look absolutely perfect and uh yeah also there's an ai system in charge of the entire game um because they don't want a single human being to be making decisions about the game so instead they created actual artificial intelligence to run the game and apparently the artificial intelligence is uh, a big fan of flowers because while no one else in the game has ever had the slightest interest in flowers, his uh, interest in flowers puts him on a quest line to essentially become the new god of the game. Uh, <laughs> like, legitimately, they talk about how there's different types of quests. There's normal quests, there's rare quests, which are, as they say, rare, and completing a rare quest gets you very good rewards. There are legendary quests, which the game's been out for a couple of years now, and no one has ever once found a legendary quest. And then there is one quest above all legendary quests called a successor quest, which he stumbles into just by examining flowers for like 15 minutes. He stumbles into the most powerful quest that makes him the most powerful being in the game. It's it's fucking delightful, man. Oh my god. That just sounds like a time. Yeah. Because it, it's got like the multiple like tropes that I really enjoy of like this character who uh mr magoo's his way through every situation essentially and that like his desire to study plans gives him the perfect solution to another problem which now that i realize is apparently something i'm a big fan of of people not having to put effort into solving their problems um although he does definitely put in efforts in certain situations but it's got that and it's also got character who is extremely misunderstood because of the way he looks so everyone just assumes he's evil in the fact in fact he 
early on in the story bonds with the spirit of life, which is what gives him a lot of his godlike powers. Um, and the spirit of life just constantly refers to him as a demon because of the actions he takes. Um, in fact, you know what? I'm spoiling something from like the first 10 episodes, which is uh, he is given the task after he starts his successor quest of uh, planting the seed of the world tree because the world tree was destroyed and they only have the seed. And if they plant it, then they'll bring harmony to life and save all the entire elven race because the world tree provides them their power. All that jazz. Uh, anyways, because he's only been studying flowers, he doesn't have proficiency with any weapons. He only has proficiency with his fists because he has the skills he has in real life. Um, so he ends up fighting uh, wild beasts with his bare hands. But because he doesn't have a lot of stats or anything, he doesn't do damage with his punches. So he takes it the seed of the world tree and just starts beating bears to death with the seed of the world tree <laughs> because of the fact that it has a hardened shell and thus makes for a great blunt weapon and it does bonus holy damage to undead and there's just scenes where it's him gleefully beating up a bear with the seed of the world tree and the spirit of life inner monologue being like oh my god what the fuck are you doing this is sacrilege it's oh it's so good guys oh my god that certainly sounds like something I would really enjoy reading. I mean, I did enjoy the one where, what was it, the girl in the game who put all of her stats into defense? Yes, that... Mm -hmm. uh, and they had to start nerfing defense? Yeah, they had to start nerfing defense, as well as all of the items she got, because she almost won a tournament just from specking purely into defense, and then having a shield that devours enemies. Yeah. Uh, a lot of those video game ones that make fun of video game tropes are quite amusing to me. All right, Keith, what you got? What's your next deep cut? Uh, so this one, I, I think, is underrated. I know it has got like some awards, but it's always been like one that not people talk about a lot. So I guess you guys can make the determination on this one. And that mm -hmm. is Samurai Deeper Kyo. Oh, I can't say I've ever heard of that one. Uh, so... I just realized that I kind of have a trend here because this one has a, a similar dynamic to Dean Angel where uh, it starts out as there's this girl who's looking for the man who killed her fa uh, killed her brother. And she ends up teaming up with uh, this medicine man that's uh, traveling around uh, the countryside of Japan. This is like during the Tokugawa period of like the Warring States period where he was in charge. Anyways, uh, they get attacked by bandits and while defending themselves, uh, Kyo, which is the doctor, snaps and ends up drawing a sword that's been chained at this point and he is the guy who killed that guy's uh, that girl's sister our brother oh. Uh, oh so he's got he's pretty much the demon uh demon sword kyo uh when he's got the sword out and possessed and then he's the nice doctor guy named kyo and it's them traveling around japan and she's trying to find a way to kill kyo without killing kyo Damn. And as they go Fair. along, they get attacked by like other powerful people, like uh, Yuki Murasanada uh, shows up, uh, Hanzo Atori, uh, Nobunaga, uh, who <laughs> is dead at this point, but we all have to read to find out why he's there. Yep. Uh, but it's I'm one of those really struggling. cool uh, like fighter show and uh, storylines. Like obviously, he beats someone. They like, hmm, you're pretty good. I'm gonna team up with you for reasons. It's one of those ones, but the story goes so off the fucking rails in, like, the back half 
that like it just kind of breaks your standard show and understanding. Fair enough. Man. I like it when a series breaks the mold like that. Yeah, uh, pretty much you, you for the first half, you think one thing going on, and then the story is like, oh, there was this you never noticed the whole time, and like shows how it was actually there the whole time, but it was never like the forefront, and it's so good. I, I really enjoy that kind of content in any form, stories, movies, books, whatever, where it like encourages you to go back through a second time and notice how they were setting this up the entire time, but it was always in the background, so you just didn't notice. Yeah, and if you liked Rurouni and Kenshin, which is obviously not an underrated manga, then I think Samurai Deeper Kyo is definitely in your wheelhouse. Uh, and this like takes place, like, one of the big plot points going on in the background is Tokugawa Iyasu trying to hold on to his empire and find his, like, successful heir and all that. And uh, yeah. the, the fun dynamic of, like, the bloodthirsty, like, warrior Kyo that's sealed within the sword, and every time the, you know, medical man Kyo draws the sword, he, uh, like, uh, he's trying to keep the sword sealed up because he hates violence. Adding another one to my list of things to read. It's a good series. It's fully finished, unlike a few of the other ones I picked. So you can actually find all of this already out. Excellent. Nice. I had to have at least one of them on the list. Mm. Uh, this one also did get an anime too, uh, and the soundtrack is great. Definitely gonna have to. Uh, did you you watch the anime, right? Yeah. Now, would you recommend reading the manga first or watching the anime first, or would you just recommend one over the other? Uh, I think with a lot, like there's very few anime that I think give more on a first viewing than manga do so I would highly recommend going through the manga first <laughs> but there is like some fights that the anime does so well that you oh, kind of you want to go and watch it afterwards to see how they did it okay because that's part of the reason why I prefer watching some anime as opposed to just reading the manga is because like the manga just doesn't do a lot of fight scenes justice yeah, and to, uh, do you have an example of one series where it's like the anime was way better than the uh, the comic series? Uh, there's a series called Ikitosen, which I'm not going to talk because the uh, manga is complete trash. But the uh, the manga was like just pure fan service and like didn't really draw much attention because the concept is all of the people from Three Kingdoms China were resurrected in Tokyo, Japan, and they're destined to follow the same fates. So, you know, someone figures out that they're the reincarnation of one of the people, like Sunsei, which is the main character, Hakafu. So she knows she's going to be killed within a few years after finding out because history is bound to repeat itself. And it's them trying to beat, like, fate, essentially, and break free of the binds. Okay. But the manga is complete shit because it's just fan service constantly. It doesn't focus on that story. But then the uh -huh. anime decides, hey, this story is actually pretty damn good and focuses on it. And you get, like, Dragon Ball Z-level fights. There, I think but... I've had that one on my list of things to watch for a while now. Just yeah, I, yeah, I just gave it an underrated anime recommendation on this manga <laughs> episode. Now, I think I'll step up to the plate again. And the next one that I want to bring to the table is one that you have already name-dropped, Keith. Oh? Yes. The uh, older manga that I mentioned started being published back in 1987, finished in 1996. 
a good old manga by the title of Ranma One Half. That is not underrated. I know. Oh, you come off it. That's. I had mentioned at the beginning that I don't think this was underrated. It was definitely rated online as a popular, or it's rated really well online. But I'm bringing it to the table because it is such an old manga that a lot of people now may not come across it. That's fair. Like, I can definitely agree. Like, I think it's a manga series that everyone needs to go through. It's like peak Romiko Takahashi. It, I'm obviously more of a fan of Inuyasha myself over Ranma. Oh, yeah. But but Ranma still has a good story. Oh, yeah, 100%. Are you familiar with the story at all, Peter? Uh, I am familiar with Ranma one half, yes. Okay. But feel so free to go are... through it for our listeners, though. Yeah. So I'm uh, only going to go through it briefly, because uh, well, I've only read a few of the volumes, so I've been meaning to go back and actually finish reading through it. And since the anime is also finished watch through the anime. But the story is revolves around Ranma, who uh, has an arranged marriage set up for him. But before he makes it to uh, well, wherever his betrothed is living, uh, him and his father went on a training trip to China and fell into some cursed springs. Cursed how, you may ask? Well, Ranma fell into the spring of the Drowned woman. So now anytime he splashed with cold water, he turns into a girl. And his father fell into the spring of the drowned panda. And same case, except his father turns into a panda when splashed with cold water. And it's just a enjoyable comedy action series. Just about his uh, martial arts, how he's trying to get stronger, be the man among men that he wants to be. But all of the trials and tribulations that revolve around that, including some very colorful characters, like uh, one of my favorite characters, easily gets lost. I think uh, like one of the best instances of that is when he was introduced to the series, is uh, he got lost for several months when he challenged Ranma to a duel in his own backyard. Uh, are you talking yeah. about Ryoga? Ryoga, who at some point we find out also fell into one of the cursed springs when he was trying to track down Ranma. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think Ranma just has like such a good cast of characters yeah. uh, that it's like it never gets boring by in, like just finding new ways of combining the characters. Uh, I'm personally a fan of Ukyo. Uh, uh, Nabiki's pretty good too but uh, mm -hmm. I do have to uh, complain a little bit Matt because you mentioned Rama and now I have the goddamn opening anime theme in my head now and I, well, oh yeah it is such an earworm you hear it once and it is stuck with you for life oh absolutely I think the, the weird thing about Rama one half is because as we were saying it's not an underrated manga at all everyone should read it but it's in one of those weird positions where you kind of want to go through the anime, but then go back to the manga for certain things. Yeah. Because I think the anime adaption did a really good job. Yeah, from what I remember of what I've watched and read, it uh, 
pretty much hit all the beats T to to or to a T. Didn't deviate at all. Didn't really miss anything. Yeah, it just changed the order of some things, if I remember correctly. But it doesn't really affect it because those are earlier episodes where they're just introducing characters. Yeah. Uh, a little fun side tangent, but uh, I still remember what I found out about Rama One Half, and uh, I think you guys might share a similar memory. But uh, I found out about Rama One Half because I had the Power Rangers Mighty Morphing uh, VHS tape. And when you watched it, it had ads on it, which one was Kiki's Delivery Service, and the other one was for uh, Rama One Half, uh, Big Trouble in Nekaron, China, the second okay. movie, which had the song A Piece of Love. Oh my god. Uh, and that's my first introduction. I was like, man, this is such a good song, and it looks cool. I need to find out what this is. Now, unfortunately, I haven't had the same introductory experience. I do have to say this is another one that you introduced me to. Oh wait, it's not a piece of love. It's uh, this is love. The rock. It's like the. It's a very clear like '80s rock song. It's great. Yeah, like you, and you literally thrust the first volume into my hands and were like, "Read it." Yeah. I mean, I don't know what you're talking, about. I had never read a manga in my life. I'm definitely not the weeb that got everyone else that I know into just an anime. <coughs> weeb. Sorry, weird cold. Don't know what that was. Might want to get that checked. Yeah. Definitely yeah. not COVID. Um, yeah, I I really have to finish reading it because uh, Ron's whole goal in the story is to find a way to uh, get rid of his curse. So I really want to find out if he actually manages to by the end of the series. There's actually a very funny arc where he considers trying to find uh, a spring of drowned man and drowning himself in that to see if that fixes it. You see, that was my first thought. <laughs> yep. Oh, but yeah, great series. Yeah, that's one of the things, uh, like, just Rumiko Takahashi in general, making characters is just something that she's so good at, and then just kind of putting those characters into situations, and it always turns out like, really good. Oh, yeah. It's one of those instances where it really feels like the characters are made and established, and the story expands around the characters. It's not the characters are put into the story. Yeah. But yeah. That's enough on Ranma for now. If anyone else is interested in Ranma, check it out themselves. Of course. Uh, so I guess I'll jump back in. Um, so the first two ones I recommended are uh, one of the genres I'm a big fan of, which is, you know, action-oriented adventure, all that jazz. And as I realized as I was describing them, ones where there's not a lot of manufactured drama for the protagonist. It's Shit just kind of sometimes works out for them, I guess, uh, is how I'd phrase it. And then the other genre I'm a big fan of uh, has the opposite going for it, where there's a lot of manufactured drama and shit doesn't always work out and people have to fight to solve things. But that's because they're slice of life manga. And uh, that's just a thing I'm a fan of. Um, so the next one I want to talk about is uh, called Cacao 79%, um, which the summary, according to uh, the internet, is Ayano Subasa and Ichino's sorry Ayano Subasa and Ichino's are child childhood friends since they were kids. They were inseparable, but one day they have to part each other's ways because both of them are transferring homes. Clueless of where they will transfer, they were shocked when they see each other going to the same school from the place they transferred in. So it follows uh, two high schoolers uh, who, ever since they were in elementary school. We're always in the same class and we're neighbors and just grew up being best friends. And then 
both of them find out they're moving and they're actually moving on the same day. Uh, so they have this big heartfelt goodbye of it's been nice knowing you. I maybe we'll reconnect in the future at some point. And then the day after they move, they realize their neighbors in the new city too. And their parents actually planned it all out that they were going to move together and be neighbors in the next city too. And it's just, these two never fucking talk to each other about the circumstances of their moves. So they didn't figure it out. Um, also, the but parents discuss this. Why did the kids just not know through this passively? I, I don't know. They, uh, they, the way it's presented in the series is the kids actively avoided learning the circumstances of their moving because they were didn't want to face the future of them not being neighbors and not seeing each other ever again. So they were just actively avoiding learning about it. Uh, is how it's presented in the series. But yeah, it's uh, as I said, it's a slice of life, so it largely follows these two characters, Ishinos and uh, Subasa, And their kind of uh, discovery of how their lives change as they move and interacting with other characters. And uh, Ichinos, uh, the dude, is uh, super chill and attractive and all the girls in school like him. But uh, he's also kind of a doof and only Subasa knows this. And Subasa is a real tomboy who likes to play sports. And they have to discover how their relationship's going to work out in the future. And I don't know how much more to talk about this. As I said, the first two I was prepared to talk at length. These two, I have less to say about because I don't want to get into the intricacies of high school students' relationships and how it affects me emotionally. So there you fucking go. <laughs> Cacao 79%. If you're into Slice of Life with manufactured drama, check it out. It's a good time, except for the parts when there's a lot of manufactured drama, and it's less of a good time. <laughs> it's 79% less of a good time. Yep. Well, mm-hmm. I'd argue it's 29, uh, 21% less of a good time, and 79% good time. Yeah, I find it's these kinds of series are really difficult to talk about without spoiling anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of kids both internally thinking about how they have feelings for someone else, but not externally expressing it, and then getting confused when they realize that, oh no, is he interested in this other person? Because I saw him talking to them exactly once. Um, but I don't want to go into more specifics about what goes on in the plot, because I don't want to spoil anything that happens. Because a lot happens, let's just put it that way. Well, uh, to change topics to uh, high school students doing something completely different, uh, my next recommendation is for a series called Tenjo Tange. Okay. So Tenjo Tange is about a, a school for martial artists where anyone who wants to be the best fighter goes to this school, and you form clubs. And <laughs> So I'm going to give you the premise of the first arc alone, and then kind of give you hints on where the series goes after that, but there's school clubs, and whatever school club wins the martial arts tournament, that club is, like, in charge of, like, the school, in a sense, where they, like, determine everything about the school. And we got, like, like, there's martial arts for everything. Like, there's fucking a knitting club (laughs) that does, like, knitting martial arts. And and the main characters we follow, uh, they are uh, Negi and Bob. And they end up teaming up with uh, the uh, si- uh, these two sisters, one of which is able to control her chi and transform into, like, a child. Yep. Uh, and that's how she just kind of hangs out. And it's this, like, 
club of like delinquents and like misfits that like are trying to beat everyone in the school. So that's the premise. Then they end up throwing in new stuff. And again, this is just a martial arts story. Uh, new stuff. We find out that one of the people who joined is the younger brother of another character who is currently in charge of the school because his team keeps winning. And that person killed the sister's brother. Uh, so the two sisters, their older brother was killed by him. And we end up learning about other things going on and some like super experiments to create the ultimate warrior. Anyways, uh, near the end of the series, they're fighting demons and vampires. Okay. But it's a series like the series has been popular enough because Oh Great has done a lot of things. Uh, one of his big popular ones is Air Gear, which I would have loved to recommend, but obviously it's not a popular one. But Matt broke that rule. Uh, but Tenjo Tange is kind of like the lesser known. Sorry, did you just say Air Gear wasn't popular? It was popular. Okay, good. I was going to say I vehemently disagree with that statement, but yeah. yes. But Tenjo Tange is like the lesser known child of Oh Great. And it's a really good martial arts uh, storyline that kind of goes off the rail with supernatural things. Uh, Negi ends up getting this power where he can, like, block Chi and summon, like, dragon fists. It's pretty cool. Okay. Nice. I've uh, I've tried to watch the anime for this one. And uh, I can say the anime does not do a good job. It's kind oh, yeah. of just all over the place and does stops explaining anything halfway through the season well the other problem with the anime and this is the curse of oh great stories the anime cuts off just before the series gets to like the big like reveal of like the greater world stuff and ends so in tenjo tange it ends with the school tournament with uh the two character of negi and uh the final boss kind of fighting essentially and it ends with that fight finishing but then after that, that's when we they end up investigating like the real secret behind the organization that's kind of controlling what's going on. And in Air Gear, it ends just before the th the three factions alliance starts, which is the big war against Sleeping Forest. Oh yeah. So like, oh great, just has this really bad thing where the anime that are adapting his stories just never get to like the big story part. The one thing I will give credit to for the anime is "Bomb Ahead" is a great song. Yep, another earworm. All right, Matt, what's your last one? All right, my last one is one that I, uh, it's a short one. It's another uh, school life one, very light on the plot, a very simple premise, but it is one I resonate with greatly. I stumbled across it about a year or two ago now, and as soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh, I need to read this, but I only recently got around to reading it. Five volumes, 49 chapters in all. It's not an incredibly long one either. And its title is Saeki-san is Asleep. And literally, the premise is uh, the main character notices one day that their class representative is asleep in class. And you quickly find out that the class representative, Saeki, she just wants to sleep in class. And the whole story is how uh, they find out various means for her to sleep in class without being caught. It is a very simple premise. Do they and... address why they're sleeping? Yes, actually. So, uh, 
it started off with uh, when Saki was a kid, her father was not the most healthy of individuals and slept a lot. So she just got in the habit of sleeping with her father, just laying down in the living room and uh, just taking a good old snooze in the afternoon. And uh, that just developed into a, just a big old habit for the rest of her life. And she never had a problem with sleeping in class until one day someone pointed it out to her and she got really embarrassed. And then at that point, she uh, never wanted anyone to find out she was asleep. So like uh, in the cover art, you see one of her methods is to use a clear ruler and an eraser to prop her head upright. So it doesn't look like she's sleeping at all. And yeah, the whole premise is just about how uh, she goes about hiding the fact from teachers and other classmates. I'm going to be honest, Matt. This sounds like it's right up my slice of life alley. This sounds fucking <laughs> know, delightful. It's amazing. I mean, if we look at the list, like how many slice of lives have come up so far? Uh, um, Only two so far. Yeah, actually, I just realized it was only two. Look at that. Yeah. And, uh, oh, <laughs> one, one point in the manga I do want to point out is, uh, the main character asked, uh, Saeki's sister what, uh, it must've been like for her growing up. And, uh, her sister's like, uh, according to my parents, it was actually really difficult to raise her. Cause you'd think, uh, oh, a child that wants to sleep all the time, very easy to, uh, take care of. But, uh. When the child doesn't even want to crawl around, just wants to sleep all day. It's not building muscles. Yeah, so that's they true. had to constantly force her to keep moving. That's kind of funny. Anytime she goes to a store and sees a comfy chair or a bed, she has to lay down on it and falls asleep. I don't know about you, but uh, the fact that in this image that you posted of the first volume, has her, which I assume is sleeping with her eyes wide fucking open, is horrifying. And, oh no, she never actually sleeps with her eyes open. Which I'm a little upset that they never go about trying to uh, tape her eyelids open. <laughs> You're upset that they don't tape her eyelids open? They never address the fact that, uh, oh yeah, she maintains um, an awake posture when she's asleep with her, their methods, but, uh, they never managed to figure out a way to hide her eyes. Also, what, what kind of dysfunctional teacher do they have that the girl with her eyes closed in the back of class with a ruler and an eraser falling asleep is not a red flag? Oh, no, it's a very... <laughs> they go into detail about how they're not caught. The only thing they don't mention is the eyes. Yeah, the from the what it sounds like, the clear. entire... Plot like is the ruler is clear and it. very thin, so it can't really be noticed from the front. <laughs> oh, that's... I find it amusing that this is one of the ones we've had the most questions about. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like like it has an interesting premise, but I would get so frustrated while reading through this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I, ju I just had to bring this to the table because more people oh, need to know about this. I'm very glad you did. This <laughs> I'm going to be honest, nothing has been added to my list so far because it's either ones I'm already familiar with 
Or just, honestly, I couldn't care less about DNA Angel. It sounds neat. I'm going to be honest, I'm not going to end up reading it. This one has 100% been added to my list because it sounds fucking delightful. Sorry, DNA Angel. Yeah, we'll never forget this. Good. The kid who wants to sleep takes precedence. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or a dude who, when his heart beats too fast, he turns into a demon and also is a cat burglar sometimes. Well, more he's all the time. I don't think the guy's a demon. I think he's like a genetic experiment, honestly. Fair. That that makes sense, too. I don't know why I'm specifically calling out DNA Angel, but uh, I am, so let's accept it and move on. Um, Alright, I guess I can do my last one, then. And keep the slice of life train going uh, by talking about uh, Kenojo Okari Sh- Shimasu. I don't know why I tried to say the Japanese one. In English, it's just called Rent-A-Girlfriend. Uh, and it's Ooh. it's a story about a uh, 20-year-old college student uh, who is in a relationship with a girl, his first ever relationship, and then she breaks up with him, and he falls into such a deep pit of despair that while browsing the internet, he finds out about a service called Rental Girlfriends, where you can pay a girl a small amount of money to pretend to be your girlfriend, go on a date with you, you have a lovely time, your heart feels warmer after it's over. Uh, and uh, so he takes this girl on a date, uh, he thinks she's very charming and all this nice stuff only for uh, him to later go on and like start to write a v- review for her before realizing that all the nice things he noticed about her were things other people have also written into their reviews. So he comes to the conclusion, this was all an act. Uh, she's actually a horrible person. Um, so he ends up uh, writing a terrible review for her and then feels a little bad, decides to take her out on another date and try and see if he can come to the conclusion that it's not all an act. And uh, while he uh, has this rental girlfriend on their second date, uh, his grandmother falls deathly ill in the hospital. And so he runs to the hospital uh, to check on his grandmother. And it, because she's with him, she just goes with him without really thinking too much about it. So he gets, she gets introduced to his family as his girlfriend. And then, Oh no, what a coincidence. Her grandmother is also in the hospital in the next room over. So she ends up getting, revealed as his girlfriend to her own grandmother and then uh plot happens a whole bunch and it's these two people who aren't actually in a relationship just pretending to be in a relationship uh for a very long time and then obviously like emotions develop over time and they start to feel for each other but it's just a lot of just shenanigans of trying to hide the fact that they're not actually dating um to both of their families who both fully believe that they are in fact dating so yeah once again, don't want to go too much into the specifics beyond that first arc, because there's a lot of plot I could absolutely spoil for this one. I've heard about this series through anime first, obviously. Yeah, it I has really gotten... Checked, I haven't really checked it out, but uh, I'm certainly willing to give it a try. Uh, it it's has gotten sense. a single season of anime, uh, which was 12 episodes. Um, covers the, I think it's like the first couple arcs it actually manages to cover with the anime. Uh, and honestly, the anime is a pretty solid representation of it. It's not one of those ones where uh, the anime misses details or makes it worse. Uh, there are some slightly cringe moments in the manga, I will say, that the anime skips over. So I would say the anime is a perfectly fine way to do it. It's just the anime only covers the first little bit because it's only 12 episodes. So there's a lot of plot that happens after that isn't covered by the anime. Okay. That's one I will certainly check out at some point. All right, Keith, bring us home. What's the last one? So 
I know Matt knows about this one. And this is oh. uh, the one I say for last because I think it is the most underrated uh, manga series. And it's a Bakato test. Or oh English, my god. <laughs> the English title is Idiots, Tests, and Summon Beasts. Oh my god. I loved this one. So the premise of uh, uh, Bakato test, uh, just the faster way to say it, I guess. It's a special school where every student has an avatar of themselves, which they can use to fight other students, and their power levels are equal to their grades. And there's an entry test, and all the students who enter uh, the, sc- uh, the school have to take this test, and they're assigned uh, grades A through F and end up in that corresponding class. And the A students get, like, a beautiful classroom with, like, chandeliers and, like, five-course meals while they learn. And then <laughs> the... F class, which we follow, because our main character is a complete idiot and fails this test. He get, doesn't even get points for signing his own name correctly. That's how stupid Jesus. he is. Uh, he gets... Uh, well, first off, he doesn't get approved to enter the school, but he gets put through through probational period, which I'll get to what that means in a second. Uh, but he joins class F. And the premise is you can battle other classes, and if you beat them in a class battle, you can then steal their classroom, and they're forced to take yours. So obviously the premise is F class wants to raise to the top and take A class's classroom. Uh, of course, we got some interesting uh, side things because, as you can see in the image I posted, the characters' uh, mini forms kind of take on like properties of them. So the main character, which is the orange-haired one, is a delinquent. So he's got the delinquent jacket and the stick. Uh, we have the guy up at the top right who is kind of like there's no good way to put it. He's a pervert. He likes taking photos, uh, and he's a ninja. But the best thing about it is Class F is not full of just stupid people, and their classroom is falling apart, and they're using orange boxes for their tables. Yep. And I'm I'm pretty sure the strength of their avatars is based off what their marks were. Yep. So if the if the class battle subject is math, it's based off their math tests, their most recent uh, exam uh, results. Uh, but there is two intelligent people in the class. Uh, there's the pink-haired girl, which we can see. Uh, the reason she's in F-class, even though she should be in A-class, is because she's uh, sickly. So she actually fell ill during the test and couldn't complete it. And they decided, well, you started the test, which means you failed it. Right. So she ends up in F-class. And then also the main character's best friend is in the F-class too, even though he should probably be in A. But he was just too lazy to write the test. <laughs> That's so he, pretty good. He just kind of showed up and lazed around, but he's also like a maniacal like leader. So he is the, tends to be the main faction that rises the class together to like beat the, the other classes. And, That's pretty uh, fucking good. As I mentioned, the main character he's on probation uh, in uh, the school, which means that he's the only person who, when his avatar takes damage, he also feels it. Yeah, but. It- I'm pretty sure it also has the added benefit of all of the other students' avatars can't actually interact with their surroundings. But his can because his the, reason, can. the reason he's probation and he can feel the pain is because he's also the one that's responsible for doing physical labor in the school. Yep. <laughs> so they need his little miniature thing to move boxes and clean. That's fucking funny. I like that. Oh my god, I need to go through this series again. I completely forgot about it. Yeah, it's a very underrated series. Uh, it has like a 26-volume run, and it had a single anime series. But uh, unfortunately, it just the anime series got canceled after one season because it wasn't that popular. And the manga kind of was the same thing. I think the only reason the manga got finished is because it's based off an even more popular light novel series. 
Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely going to read the manga for that now. Oh, also, uh, just a little fun fact. Uh, the class president of A class uh, wants to marry the smart, lazy guy from class F. That's the main character's best friend. And it's also implied later on that he purposely failed so he wouldn't end up in the same class as her. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, Bakato tests are idiots, tests, and summoned beasts. All right. Well, then. I think uh, we've compiled a pretty decent list. Now, here's the thing. I feel like the list could certainly be longer, and I feel like the next people who have to recommend series for us to read are the listeners. And in fact, I think we've set up a perfect situation where we've kind of explained some manga that we're all fans of, so they should have a pretty clear idea of how to recommend manga to us, and that's kind of my insistence now. Yeah. Uh, uh, I do have some honorable mentions I want to give out, though. Sure. Uh, Rave Master, uh, which uh, people might know the creator is the person who made uh, Fairy Tale. Fairy Tale. Rave Master, I think, is superior, but not as popular. It's a world based around music. And the other one is Higurashi, which I, I feel like is kind of a weird one to say because the uh, visual novel game is very popular, but the manga isn't. Uh, but essentially, it's we're watching this small town is weird murders start happening and people like pretty much everyone dies. And then the it kind of like starts again, but different things happen. And you're trying to piece together the mystery of what's going on from all of these perspectives. Yeah, because the only media for the series I've been introduced to is just the anime. Yeah, the anime does a really good job of highlighting. There's some details the manga series has that aren't addressed in the anime. Uh, but ultimately, the perfect way to consume it is the you know visual novel but the manga yeah. is like mm -hmm. really good and it's a really creepy mystery series it's kind of like a murder mystery but you the viewer are the detective not the characters in the story because yeah, if i remember correctly it goes through the same scenario multiple times but with slightly different outcomes each time yep yeah, something changes and then it's like a butterfly effect so it's you seeing uh, eight different versions of the same story with things happening differently. Yeah. And like some characters make slightly different decisions. Yeah. And that's how the, you, the viewer is supposed to figure out what's going on. And then, well, I, I should say seven, because the eighth story is the one that reveals everything. Right. Fair. Yeah. Aside from that, I do really like the idea of the viewers have to tell us uh, some good underrated manga. Yeah. Yeah. I, kind of insist now we put or at least i put a lot of thought and effort into creating a list that tells you what kind of manga i'm a fan of so i kind of insist that they share uh, my honorable mentions i don't feel like i should honorably mention uh because they're all stuff that i feel uncomfortable talking about on the podcast <laughs> Understandable. Uh, mostly because we never know when children are going to be listening to the podcast and i shouldn't be telling them about certain stuff on the internet um that's all i'm going to say about what my honorable mentions are so there you go um cool. Uh recommendations? Is that where we're at? Uh our recommendations. Which is weird because this whole podcast was just a list of twelve recommendations plus two honorable recommendations. Yeah. <laughs> like because of the format of this, how we were going over what we thought were very underrated 
manga. I kind of just tabled my recommendations, but if I do have to give one recommendation, I would have to uh, recommend Saeki-san is asleep. Because that one is just... It came out of nowhere, and it is incredible. Uh, if I'm making a recommendation, I'm actually going to pick a popular series, because Matt got to pick a popular series, what he was suggesting. And I'm going to suggest Full Metal Panic. That is another good one. Yeah, Full Metal Panic is about a mercenary named Sosuke Sagra, who is a mech pilot for a secret organization that stops world events from getting to the point of all-out war. So they're kind of like a guardian angel like military force that's uh, not belonging to any faction. And there's this special type of technology that comes from people called the Whispered, which that's part of the mystery of the story. But one of them is Kaname, who uh, Sosuke is uh, sent to protect. But Sosuke was a child soldier who was saved by this military faction and ended up working for them when he got older. And he has to go to high school, which he's never done before. And it's pretty much a slice of like hijink series with like military stuff in the background. Threatening a taxi driver with a gun. Yeah, because he, does, he has no idea back. how to interact in a normal situation. So he's there like putting like mines and stuff and cameras in the school and he gets in trouble. Nice. Uh, my recommendation, I, I now that I think about it, I've probably recommended it in the past. Uh, but I'm still going to recommend it anyways. Uh, similar idea, it's a manga, it's just a popular manga, so it felt weird to talk about on underrated mangas. Uh, so I'm going to recommend Jujutsu Kaisen. Uh, read it, it's great. If you're a fan of the anime, read the manga, because the manga goes so much further than the anime and covers so many more topics, and it's so fucking good. So, read Jujutsu Kaisen right now. Do it. <laughs> Go home and read it. I suppose I should probably give an actual outside episode recommendation if you guys are too i suppose <laughs> you don't have to Seiki's a good recommendation i'm gonna listen to the recommendation. yeah well i'm gonna add another one in and it is a good manga series still ongoing by the looks of it i've only read the first volume watched the first two seasons of the anime that are released noragami it's about uh at the beginning, a homeless god. He doesn't have a shrine or anything, but he wants to slowly build up his own fortune so he can make his own shrine. But to do that, he has to gather up his own followers and people who worship him. And that can be kind of difficult. Especially regarding the world that uh, is built around them. But yes. That's fair. It's also uh, later revealed that uh, this homeless god, he wants to be like a, a messenger god, but it's revealed that he was a god of calamity that people just forgot about. <laughs> it's pretty reckless of the people of that world to forget a calamity god. Yeah. That's kind of how you bring about more calamities, if I understand correctly. You don't pay heed to the calamity god enough. <laughs> But yeah, definitely worth a read. Or a watch. Um, I was about to continue recommending things, but I've already <laughs> made my recommendations, so let's just move on. Um, did anyone correctly guess this episode, Keith? Let's take a look. So, in uh, people guessing for this episode, we had no one correctly guess uh, the episode this time. But for last week's question, what type of show would you like to see a musical of? 
Uh, we had one response. Uh, that was from Amy Longley on Instagram, and they responded with Forensic Files, which I thought was pretty funny of like having like a CSI like show where it's musical and they're <laughs> investigating. Just yeah. walking into the room and like that semen on the wall. <laughs> yeah. There's blood, it's blood, but it's not just blood. There's also anthrax. <laughs> Zoom in enhance on the camera. <laughs> I feel like that would just be the chorus line for every song. It's just zoom and enhance, zoom and enhance. Uh, yeah, I could I could get behind that until the chalk line starts singing. That's even better. Then it just turns into a horror show. I think the horror show is that during every uh, crime scene investigation, one of the characters singing is the uh, murder victim who's trying to sing out what happened to him, but no one can hear him singing. <laughs> he just spoiled <laughs> the whole fucking episode. Yeah. It was Chevy Chase! He murdered me! <laughs> Why Chevy Chase? <laughs> I don't know, I just feel like uh, it's always they get like some weird out-of-place big-name actor to uh, play the murderer, uh, and that's the reveal at the end, is it's the actor whose name you recognize. <laughs> um, and I just assume it's Chevy Chase in this case. <laughs> But yeah, I think that about wraps up our uh, our ramblings for this episode. A very fan-centric episode, I suppose. Yes. And just to re-clarify, we do have a question this episode, and our question is, tell us good manga. It's not yes. really a question, it's more of an order, but do well, it anyways. Yeah, we're, we're demanding you to tell us some <laughs> good needs, recommendations for us. Peter needs his fix. Uh, yeah, I do. Either Slices of Life with lots of drama... Or action adventure with little to no drama. Either one would be fine with me. You know my interests now. Tell me what I should read. Yeah, with all said and done, I suppose it's time to wrap up. So thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. You can find us on all podcast streaming services along with YouTube. You can find us on Instagram. Leave us a like, comment. If you have any recommendations for uh, future episodes, uh, shoot us a message. We have our email that you can reach us at, whatismypodcastabout at gmail.com. And yeah, you can find us again in another two weeks from now when we talk about uh, some other possible topic that we may make a podcast episode about or make our podcast revolve around. Who knows? Just be ready to take a chance and roll the dice. (laughs) 